Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, it's once again time to relive your childhood. We're going to go through the life of Jamie Phillips and talk about what went wrong. You're been right. Wouldn't that 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 was kind of a little bit of last episode? There was a little, we, we dive, I dove deep in there during that one. Uh, I didn't I didn't listen to it yet. I'm yeah, hand up. Okay. I did hand up. Here. That's my bad. That's my wow. Bad. We logistics logistics are tough. Um, like I said in the last pod, it might be surprising that Ben and I do have other jobs. Unfortunately, the podcast does not sustain. It actually just loses money. Um, it depends how, yeah. you, depends yeah. how you quantify it. Yeah, that's true. But um, we were talking about draft stuff, and it is February, and you're probably thinking. Wow, this is super early to be talking about the draft. Sure. My response is, I have been talking to a lot of parents about different drafts, and so it's been it's been on my mind, and something I've been talking back and forth with parents, kids, advisors, um, goalie coaches, teams, all that stuff. Been texting other goalie coaches around North America like crazy this week. Um, so it's been on my brain, and I wanted and Ben being stats guy Ben. I know he's crunched some numbers before, but I wanted to know if there's a little bit more up-to-date numbers on some original findings, because I remember we talked about um, the Q, the, the Q was a big uh, big talking point last time, but this time last year. Yeah, it just like didn't have, it's just had a tough historical run recently. But it's also like, that's also a product of population size. Like, I think we don't fully appreciate the difference in population in yes. the Q just compared to, right? Like, it's it's... Of the three major CHL leagues, um, when you look at uh, like as the league strength in general, it's just the weakest of three leagues. Like, mm-hmm. and weakest in the sense of like 
who goes on to play at the highest professional level. That doesn't mean that there's not incredible players out of it, or right? that's like not the argument. It's just like a consistent level of slightly uh, less overall productive than the other two leagues. And that's fine. It's just like a product of there not being as many people. Yes. And I know the primary league we're going to focus on here is the OHL. Um, so if you are from Western Canada, we do apologize. We, we can we could talk about that another one or bring in someone who's more versed with that. Ben and I grew up in Ontario. We know Ontario. Yeah. It makes sense. I was drafted to the OHL. Uh, my experiences there lasted maybe two weeks. Oh, sorry, officially less than forty-eight hours. Uh, I don't think that rule. Ex- I don't know if that rule still exists. Uh, no, there's like waivers now. You can play a game. So, and get it's it so kid. You know what? Like, I sound like an old person, like, but kid kids do have it better in terms of like what they can and can't do, um, and like not being yelled at by the NCAA, especially with like NLIs. I love it. I talk, actually, I was talking with someone with this, and I I love it. Did you say NLIs? Did you mean NILs? Did I say NLIs? Well, it's a national letter of intent. It's still a thing. It's applicable to college sports. Yeah, or whatever. I don't know. The name likeness, images yeah. likeness. Yeah. Pay the players. But I think it's great. And I think that, again, like talking about Major Junior, there has been some whispers that the rules might change. Uh, I we, we talked about it earlier today. We don't think it. I think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, so for those who are maybe haven't heard this yet, I think I'm gonna. Ooh, this is sketchy reporting here. And this, this is this is strictly rumor science. No, rumor science podcast. I don't remember what I was meant to say. I think the I think the vote is in April. Is what I was trying to say. I don't remember when the the ruling or the meeting or the. It's in the most instable. Basically, what's happening is for the longest time now. This is secondhand reporting. So I've heard this from other people talking about this. This is not original source reporting. Um, that. Originally, CHL players lost their NCAA eligibility because players in the CHL could have been signed by NHL teams, which differentiates from NCAA. You're drafted in the NCAA, like you are, Jamie, and your rights are held. But CHL players who are signed with an NHL team can be assigned back to the CHL. And so that's where the distinction has always been. Which is to clarify before you keep going, uh, but that means if you are... If you are in the if you go the NCAA route or drafted the NHL, they hold your rights your entire career in the NCAA, which is four years to me or longer, depending on when you're. Yeah, no, it's it's actually it's so dumb. That it ruins a lot of careers. That, but not limited okay. to nope, nope, not limited to Jamie Phillips. Not um, limited to it. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so that's where the. Anyways, I think I'm under the impression that this like next, whether it's exactly a vote or a like committee meeting, I'm not sure. So like I said, bad reporting. Um, is in April. But basically, it's going to come down to should CHL players be allowed to play in the NCAA? Uh, should they, like, because it's, it's you know, it's more complicated and more nuanced than just, like, you know, we assigned our signed player to the CHL, and how does that, you know, impact other players who aren't signed by an NHL team? Right? Like, I think that's where it comes down to. Uh, interestingly, like, I think this is, I think this is bad. And so maybe we'll just like think about why I, so I, and I'll explain this because again, I don't know the full structure of what they're proposing, but basing, Jamie, let's have this discussion based on the assumption that you can enter the CHL and leave the CHL at any point to go to the NCAA, like assuming you're within the appropriate time frame. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is, well, my impression is that I think the only group that benefits is the NCAA and then also the, the players, the top end players, because what I 
predict to what I suspect could happen or would happen is that if you're a pretty good player, uh, and let's use an example for Leafs fans, Easton Cohen, who was a, a first round draft pick from the Leafs last year, is on like a 26 game point streak for the London Knights right now. That right, that, that not bad. Um, but they're drafted, right? And then now they go back to the CHL. And now they're an older player relative to their peers, right? They're in their third year in the CHL. So they're, you know, middle-olds for, for mm-hmm. the eligibility of that. Whereas if they had NCAA eligibility, they could be drafted after that year. And now they're college age, right? Yeah. And the NCAA is older. Uh, and therefore, it's more similar to professional hockey than the CHL is. So, like, in this situation, what would stop Easton Cohen from playing two years in London and then going to the NCAA to, let's say, a school like Boston University and playing alongside Macklin Celebrini? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, to me, that's that raises the point where I think if you're the London Knights, you would hate that. You just lost, you could lose your best player. Right? Yeah, it definitely uh-huh. doesn't benefit Major... Well, it doesn't and doesn't. It doesn't benefit Major Junior in the long-term, short-term is any prospects that are very good in that 16, 17, 18-year-old range that want that would originally have gone the NCAA route and then want to play in the USHL or anything like that would go to the CHL. So I, but who hurt, hurts the most is a lot of junior A, like tier, tier two, whatever, right. the USHL, BCHL. Those kind of leagues would hurt because now the best players would still go major junior because it would be the best junior A league and they still can move on after. The NCAA would be the biggest, on top of the players, would be the biggest beneficiary in it because ultimately it's a win-win for them. Yeah, like, and I think the important distinction, and you can tell me if you think differently, but if you are, um, if you're a, an American-born player and you're, you're one of the best 25 players in your age group, it's probably still better to go to the NTDP than it is to go to a CHL team. Like if, if you have an option between playing for the program or playing in the OHL, I think the choice should be clear. You should probably play for the NTDP. Uh, personally, I would ag- I would agree with that. Should, but, I, I, but I also think the structure of the NTDP is like really good. And that's, well, that's in terms of what players need, it's like basically yeah. ideal. Well, it's scientifically the best thing you can do, right? Like we have, we know from from research that this idea of centralization, so taking everybody from a greater geographic area and bringing them to one spot, NTDP, mm-hmm. and giving them access to the best resources, right? USA Hockey's best resources uh, to support these players through their development as they progress to professional hockey. We've seen like a meteor, not a meteoric, but like a really great rise in the quality of the NTDP over the last fifteen years. It to the point now where they are just dominant when you look at their production of, of professional players and especially in draft success, right? And so yeah. I don't think the CHL rule would change. Like I don't think I, people would forego going to the NTDP, right? Like they have such a strong... they would still they would still go to the program. Yeah. So nothing would change there. So what would happen is you might have better people. Like a good example might be Macron Celebrini, right? Who stayed in the USHL as an independent player. They're Canadian. They moved to the US when they were a preteen, maybe early teen. I'm not sure. Uh, and, and then playing the USHL because they wanted to go to college. And they actually, again, they accelerated through high school. So did, you know, they skipped a grade essentially or, and to go to college early, right? But that's even, you might even, even see people do that, right? Where they could play a year in the OHL as a first round draft pick and then they accelerate and they go to play their, NCAA, or their NHL draft year in the NCAA 
Like I think it opens a really big can of worms or a really interesting series of, of snowball effects unless there's like really clear rules like, hey, you have to be over 20 before you can play in the NCAA from the OHL, which I would imagine that's what CHL owners would, would want. Is like I would, there's a clause that you can't go before 20 or whatever. Yeah, which which would make sense, and I would agree with that. I think that's that's okay. There also would have to be some sort of rule. You can't go back and forth. Like, if you left the major junior, you cannot come back to major junior or something like that. What? what, what I'm just, like I said, I think it's really messy, uh, and I have not spoken with anyone. I don't know if you've spoken with anyone at the NCAA level who's, like, explicitly for and against this. Uh, I heard some people say that they've imagined that this favors weaker teams who have a harder time recruiting top-end talent or top-end skilled players who go to the bigger programs, Michigan, BU, BC, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, but, so... But that's the change. That wouldn't change anything. Well, no. better Yeah. The talk around the NCAA right now is, especially among, like, not, basically not the Big Ten. Everyone but the Big Ten is the fact that the Big Ten has this, with the new rules and, and the fact that your players are allowed to get NI, NLIs? No, NIL. Ah, so name, close. Name, name an image like this, too. Ah, not name like this, an image. Name an image like this. Um, as well as like different bonuses, like cost of living things, and schools are allowed to set those prices. It's creating a larger gap between the haves, the haves and the have-not programs. And... Um, you know, there's still a lot of those, in my opinion, archaic rules in terms of how many scholarships you can offer to put yeah. in the leagues. You know, you still have the the Ivy Leagues that can't offer scholarships and all and all these things. And it makes it really difficult to compete because if you are a very good player and say your dream was to go to, let's say, Harvard, but you don't you didn't grow up with a ton of money, it's like, yeah, well, maybe we can give you financial support, but you still have to pay. Or University of Michigan comes and just goes, just come play here, man. It won't cost you a thing. Plus you'll end up getting like 20k a year and yeah. you might even get even more because we're gonna there's a couple you know water bottle sponsors or whatever that want to give you money and now and now you're making a ton of money which you should mm-hmm. so it that's been the, the talk is that basically the ncaa in the system we know it um, isn't going to exist and so how is it going to compete and how are the smaller schools going to be able to compete with the larger schools in recruiting because as that one transfer rule exists, the uh, larger schools are actually like perfect in a perfect position because they can just pluck the best players that other schools have already recruited, spent time and money to find these like hidden gems throughout leagues that go and they pop off in like a smaller school, so like a, a you know like a Bowling Green or a Bemidji State, and then you know Wisconsin says just come here and play. And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. Pluck him right up. So it that's where the concern among the NCAA is right now is the the Big Ten has just, the tools with a lot of money just have a lot more advantage right now when originally the goal was to keep something simple, although it hurt the player, it hurt the players and the athletes overall. Now the players and athletes are getting more control, but the larger schools are still continuing to benefit at a greater degree than the smaller schools. Yeah, and like, I think the problem is, is like that's just how things operate in our current for-profit sports systems. Yeah, right? like, which which is life. Yeah, but it's it's like yeah, especially North American wise, right? Like I think this is really mm-hmm. is again um, a more prominent North American sport issue 
I'm not, I haven't done a deep dive on the economic resources behind European professional sports. So I can't comment on it. Jamie, I know you had an interesting time economically with, with your period across the pond. Um, I don't know how much you can disclose about that, but we won't, we won't, we won't get into that yeah. because, uh, there's some, some gray area stuff. Let's just say that what goes on and the things, the things that everyone already knows it are, it happens. Anyway, say that. Anyways, the point being, right? Like, this is a uniquely American, or feels like a uniquely North American issue. Where, like, look at professional sports. Look at sports have a luxury tax, right? The NBA has a luxury tax, and some teams are fine spending two hundred million over it. They're like, yeah, this is going to cost me so much money. Don't care, right? Yeah, like that already exists. So, this, I guess, like this shouldn't be from a perspective of of those maybe smaller programs. Like the reason they vote yes to this or say they want this, it shouldn't be because they think it's going to give them an advantage relative to the bigger programs. Because it won't, it won't give them an advantage. Like if you're again, if you're using Easton Cohen as an example, like if you're Easton Cohen, do you want to go play at Nebraska Omaha? Like is that where you want to go? Or you can go? Never go play the first line at BC. Yeah, right. Like it's it's it's. Arrowhead does I think is going to make a bigger gap because. Again, maybe there's, this is like the approach to this is trickled on economics. Like that's exactly what, what teams are hoping will happen. Well, <laughs> we're just going to, we know things will trickle down. Oh, we know that works. Yeah, we know, well. yeah, we know the trickle down always is for sure a system that has been really great. Anyways, the problem is, is you know hockey. And this has become more and more prominent. And there's some great public research online about this. There is a gap at the top level where the top level players are multiple magnitudes better than the middle. Like it's yeah. not like if you have like, let's say we artificially put people in tier one, two, three of talent, the gap between tier one and tier two is not the same distance as tier two to tier three. Like each gap of tier of players is not the same distance. And because of that, if you're one of the, if you're one of the big schools, you're just going to get the top tier talent still. You're going to get even more of it, better of it. Right. So maybe, you know, maybe the NTDP player that you recruited is like a, a bubble tier one player. They're going to be really good. But even within that tier one, the NHL guy who was drafted third overall now comes to your school. Now that's even higher than the player you would have had. And that gap is enormous between tier one and tier two. And so I think that's what people, at least from what I've heard, don't quite understand is that talent is not, or like talent's wrong. Skill is not normally distributed. There's not like equal dis like equal distances between every level of yeah. skill. It's in sport, it's like heavily skewed to the one side, where the top people are just a lot better than the middle path. That's true. No, it, yeah, that, and that's not as many yeah. and there's not as many top people. So this big schools just snatch even more of. You're not again, you make it more more relatively higher middle ground people, but the gap is still huge to the top people. Like you're, you know, Bowling Green's not going to get better because of this. Bowling Green needs to get, this is not a fair example. I have no idea how Bowling Green's doing this year. They are not having a good year. Okay. Well, that makes me feel sad for them. Uh, but like, again, like their challenge is how do we recruit players that are going to translate to our program, our league really effectively that other schools aren't on quite as high. Like that's their job. Yeah. Right. Like that's, and that's what they have to do. We have to like have better player forecasting. We have to look at better player development trends. They have to try to build senior programs, not first year, second year guys who are going to leave. Right. Yeah. And this is like, you know, like I said, I, I think it's going to pass because I think, I don't know, I have a feeling that it's going to pass just because everything's been so crazy. Like all the rules have been changing. Yep. 
You know, you look at the it's AJ teams leaving Hockey Canada and going to the BC. If you look at other different, you know, the fact that you can now play in a quote-unquote outlaw league from something like Hockey Canada and then go play in Hockey Canada League without any any issues or no or like punishment, I guess. And like, you know, those are all things that didn't exist two years ago. So the the landscape is so, so unique that who knows, who knows what is happening. And that's why it's just, I, that's why I, my, my gut is that this is going to happen and I don't know how it's going to play out. And also a lot of people are going to be upset because they burn their eligibilities in the last yeah. 80 years. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know where I st- like, I have a tough time with this. Maybe I'm being resistant to change here. I think when we look at goaltending development, this is a goalie science podcast. This is probably better for goalies. But this is probably the this this change would be the biggest win of any position would be for goalies. Yes. Like, so we look at there's something called like aging curves in sport, right? Where like each player has a relative value at each age group where they're most likely to contribute to the success of their team. There's some great work um by Micah McCurdy at ineffective math on Twitter, uh, who does and hockeyviz.com. There's a lot of shout outs there for them. We've done some great public work on uh aging curves. There's an article called Age and Decay. And the thing is with goalies, because they get into the league so late, there's like a little bit of survivorship bias in the early 20s. So you just don't see basically any contribution from goalies in their early 20s. Well, guess where you could be playing in your early 20s if you're out of the CHL, Jamie? Oh. I'm going to play college hockey, which like, again, I, you know, I'm not sure how well this has been mapped in the past. It's hard with sample size issues, but like I could only imagine that being a goalie and going and playing at BC for a year or two is better for your development than going to play in Idaho for couple years and also the carousel that would come with constant player and roster shifts right like how many yeah how many ECHL teams go through eight or nine goals on a roster in a year because the answer is a lot more than you'd yeah more than you'd expect right just because there's constant trades and sent downs and ups and downs and yada yada yeah right so the the stability of a college program would be beneficial so like from my goalie coach and I want hockey Canada goalies to be better I want Canadian goalies to have a better chance of succeeding this rule would probably be great for them it displaces people is what it does, right? It just displaces people mm. out of the college system uh, who would, uh, who don't get an opportunity now to maybe be goalies who would have developed better. Uh, I'm always of the belief that we should have more people and the most people in the system as possible. That belief comes from the research that shows that we should keep the most amount of people in the system at the highest level as possible. Yeah. Uh, and right. It's like why you shouldn't, condensed triple-A team centers from two centers to one. Like you should try everything in your power to keep every center that you have at the highest level because theoretically that provides the best access to resources, right? Like if you have two sets of really good willing coaches who are good coaches, by combining them to an age group at one, you now have created only having one access point to one set of those coaches um, at the highest level. Yeah. So it's that's what I, I mean, that's where I come from on this. Like I think displacing is bad. Um, I think inclusion is good, and I think this whole thing. My vote would be no, but I vote yeah. I vote doesn't matter. Hey, and also just, my vote doesn't matter either. Yeah, like, like I guess like it depends. Again, who knows? Who knows what it would look like? Uh, I would suspect, like I said, if this maybe to wrap this up, I would suspect if this discussion does not have a clause about 
early movement, which means like you cannot play in the NCAA until you age out of the CHL. If that clause is not in there, the CHL is going to vastly reconsider. Yeah, what they're uh, of the, what they're going to have to do, right? And I guess I haven't heard any CHL officials speak about this yet. Honestly, yeah, I actually haven't heard any CHL. It's all been like NCAA wise on the talk. But I guess because it's just so novel and unique that like crazy things are happening. So, yeah, yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's unprecedented times, Jamie. That's the word that we've probably heard the most for the past five years. Is it really is unprecedented times? Um, I think it's a good time to take a break. Yeah, I was gonna say let's take a little break here. When we come back, I uh, will speak on the hard realities of what it's like to be a goaltender in the CHL. 
So we have a glimpse with at least two or at least two would be eligible for their second season in this in this data. Um, Jamie, I'm going to read to you the percentage of goalies who played at least in one OHL game who were OHL drafted in this five year set. It's forty eight percent, thirty three percent, sixty percent, twenty one percent, forty percent. So the highest being in the twenty twenty draft, which was the two thousand four birth year. 18 of the 30 goalies who were picked in the OHL draft played at least one game. Now, I'll be honest to say this. I don't particularly care much about playing one game. I don't think it tells us anything. Uh, what is, do you have the numbers for how many goalies played 15 or more? Yeah, I got 25. That's the number I played. Oh, yeah, 25 is pretty good, yeah. I just want to set the bar low. Maybe the numbers would be cast the wider net. Yeah, so 25 games, in my eyes, based on kind of the work that we've done, is equivocal to like one season in like a moderate use backup rule. Like somewhere yeah. between like 16 and 20 games. Remember OHL season 68. Um, now there are some teams who play their goalie like 64, which I think is wild. And, but it's, you know, it's gotten better. Anyway, so of those same years, 2018 through 2022, I'm going to read you the percentage of goalies who played over 25 games. 39%, 29%, 43%, 43%. And ten percent. What? And but but if this, the OH, I just remember like being sold how this was like the most important thing. At least we thought it was the most important thing. Well, it's the most important when you're there in the moment. Yeah, but it's crazy. Like it's crazy to think about how small that number, like actually is. Because I remember, I remember being drafted, and I thought, well, I've made it. You did fourth round. It's all let's all the show sailing from here. But then I also remember boys that were drafted that thought their careers were over. And a lot of kids actually stopped playing because they didn't get drafted. Like legitimately quit hockey. I think yeah. a larger amount of kids quit hockey after they didn't get drafted than games playing you know, like goalies that ended up playing in the OHL that got drafted. Probably. And that's yeah. disappointing because like if you're playing at like a the high level, the triple A, say you're playing triple A, or even if you're playing like a decent you're still a good goalie at like double A and you're you know, 16 years old, 15 years old, not, it's not done yet. You're not done yet. Yeah. And so, I mean, those numbers shouldn't be surprising, right? So there's a few things that happen. Uh, we still have, you know, NCAA goalies who kick back to the OHL. There is European goalies who enter now, I think, again, this is where I'm, well, but they're, they've tightened it down on on European entries just because didn't they ban it for a brief period? Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the status is. I'll be honest. Like this is me being uninformed on this topic. But there was quite the run around our age group where there was like just an absolute pair of uh, international goalies who were really good in the OHL. Um, mm. Right. But mm. this this is like wholly unsurprising, right? The OHL at the end of the day is a business. The goal is for those teams to win. The goal is not. For them to develop their young players into into stars, it's a bit more of a sink or swim uh, mentality. That's not to say the coaches aren't there actively developing their players. I know a bunch of amazing goalie coaches at the OHL level who are out there every day making an impact with their goalies. I know a lot of great assistant head coaches who are there to help their players develop as well. But the model, the system level model, is not designed to develop players. It's designed to win, to yeah. make money, right? So if you're a team that needs to win, are you going to play your 16, 17-year-old goalie who needs some games to develop? Or are you going to play your 19 or your 20-year-old or go trade for a 20-year-old? Like the answer is just, it's right there in front of you. 
just send that goalie down to junior B and grab him when you need him. Yep. And you probably, and if you never grab him, ah, well, it is what it is. Yeah. And something to be reminded of, like again, through these drafts, right? Again, 2018 to 2022, 33 goalies, 24 goalies, 30 goalies, 28 goalies, 39 goalies. Wait, there's a lot of goalies taken. Like 39 goalies. That had to be a record. I imagine so. I didn't like that's the most I've seen from the te- the decade that I looked at plus this five. So out of the 15 years across mostly three leagues, I've never seen this many goalies taken. But great. Again, lots of reasons why that could be like still loosely impacted by the COVID season, right? Um, 2022 would have just been kind of just out of of the impacted seasons. But it's again like yeah. But of those, again, of the 39 that were selected in that 2022 draft, so that means 2022, 2022 OHL draft, that means that this year, most goalies in that draft are the, in their NHL-eligible draft year. Remember, I said that one of the biggest, or one of the things that we found was the most impactful for a goalie being selected was them playing games, which essentially means they were the starter, right? So you need to be a starter. Um, you don't need to be, but it really helps. It's only third goalies have played over 25 games in their first, you know, almost two seasons now after being drafted in the OHL. Like, that means, again, I texted you before the show, there's probably going to be two, two goalies that will be drafted from the NHL based on, you know, if I plugged their information into our model, which, again, is not, you know, hand up. Not the not a, not, a, not a great model. No. I mean, like, any models that are superficial goalie statistics aren't going to be good models, right? Yeah. We talked we talk about this before, say percentage is a team stat. And it's influenced by goalies just like the same way it's influenced by a really good defender. Uh, it just ends up being recorded on a goalie stat line. But, right, like, again, there's there's literally, um, right, there's Mississauga's goalie and Owen Sound's goalie. I think Owen Sound's Carter George. And, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the Mississauga goalie. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's really tough. But the point being, like, if you get drafted into OHL, you should need to be aware that, like, you're probably not going to play a lot. Right, none of those drafts, none of them of the past or of the five years that I looked at today, had over forty three percent of the goalies playing at least twenty five games. Which is why you should go against. <laughs> not Jamie, not biased at all. What happens? What happens when the NCAA says that you can play in the CHL too? That is interesting. Then I guess it it literally doesn't matter. Go play wherever you want. Nothing matters at that point. Well, I mean, like, I think there'd still be an argument that you're going to develop better places. But this, like, so... But you could also develop Major Junior and then have another four years of development. Right. Who would really lose out would be eSports, would lose a lot of good athletes. Yeah, eSports is in a strange place. But eSports would also, like, get... you. What would be really interesting, Jamie, is eSports would get a lot more guys back who play, like, a year in the ECHL who would, sure. have, who would have lost. So eSports might just get a huge, like influx of SPHL ECHL guys um, who use that as a, as a as a stopping point which would just change the landscape of eSport hockey entirely but complicated the, the point being though I think is going into the OHL draft and I mean now there's a U18 draft as well so even more goalies are taken every year uh, sure. on the OH, at the OHL level right I think it's worthy of noting that whether you're selected or whether you're not like it's it's all good. It's okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just so... Yeah. That part, we say it all the time. It's just like, you never know. Like, keep grinding, keep grinding. But it is nice to have, like, actual numbers and data to be like, look, if you don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. 
you know, USHL drafts coming up. I'm sure those numbers are something similar. I'm sure there's a lot of goalies that are going far, going to the NCAA that aren't getting drafted in the USHL. Like, it all picks up. Yeah, the USHL picks up. I mean, they've had, a again, an influx of international goalies, actually. Um, Yeah, that's true. But, like, a lot. But so is the NAHL. So, you know. But I think, like, there's lots of goalies who go to the NAHL, then go to the USHL, not being drafted at the USHL level, right? Mm. Um, again, at the end of the day, and I mean this, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty anti-drafting children. I'm like very, very anti-drafting, especially because you weren't drafted. Yeah, I'm very spiteful about not being drafted. Uh, no, I tell people at a time. I mean, like, I remember I was watching the NHL draft with your dad, Jake. I don't know if you remember this. I was watching with your dad when my OHL draft was taking place. Uh, that on ice? Yeah. 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 But hey, wasn't meant to be. I was working that morning. I was coaching. I was shooting on go- shooting on little girlies as a 16-year-old in- baby coach and uh, checking rounds in between lessons. Um, but let's just, like, again, like we look at the, the WHL where they select after people's grade nine year crazy what, what were you you were playing in a well ended grade nine i had just played my first year at triple a right like would have you been selected after that year jamie absolutely not right i mean you were good enough clearly that you were invited to go play for a better team the next year but but i still wasn't like that good you, you needed the extra year of development but that's like my... i need a lot i need a lot of extra years still need a few years actually i still need a few years um, but that's like, that's what I, anyways, I, I think it's worth noting. I, I'm happy you asked it. like, I'm always pretty, you know, on telling people like what actually happens with goalies, right? They, a lot of them in the OHL league get drafted. It's this awesome thing. You just don't play. Right. Like from our data set, the median games played. So like the 50% line, so 50% or less, I think that I'm going to end up being 53%, 53% or less of the goalies selected over a 10 year period in the OHL played an OHL game one. Like fifty three percent didn't play one. Forty six point something. Forty six point six eight, I think. Yeah, that's played, not... played it's it's nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Flip the coin. No, obviously that's skewed towards the later rounds, right? So if you're doing a blue draft in the first couple of rounds, that's awesome. You're gonna get a chance to play in the old show. You are. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Like the odds are much better for you. Um but that normally also means that the team you're going to has a place for you right away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so it's it's tough to say like you know, it's you're being selected at that higher place because there is an opportunity for you. And that's great. I think, you know, like an enormous list of successful and impressive goalies have gone through the CHL system, right? So this is more directed to people who are maybe drafted in the later rounds and, you know, don't get a chance or people who aren't selected at all, right? Like it's okay. Like lots yeah. of people who are selected will have the same amount of OHL games as you. Right? Also true. Yeah. Jamie, yeah. should have... Should have you gone to the OHL? Time for your reflection period. Oh my god, no. I thought I was ready, and I definitely wasn't ready. I would have been one of those guys that played a handful of games and then ended up doing Out of the offer. system. Yeah. Did you 100%. Get, did you get offered a spot after your first year? More than no. Junior B. They told me to go play junior B and then I just didn't really play. And then I decided that I was gonna go to rookie camp again. But then I wanted, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go play college. And then I remember calling the coach and he yelled really loud at me on the phone, told me I was making a bad mistake, the worst mistake in my life and all these other things. And he was just yelling at like a 17-year-old kid. Um, 
did turn out not to be the worst mistake of my life. But uh, I just said, yep, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to main camp. I'm not doing any of these things. See you later. And that, and that was really it. Did you go to 17-year rookie camp? I don't even remember. I think I did. Yeah, I did. definitely went to 17-year rookie camp. I had a few offers. I, yeah, when I was in Hammerbrook, I had a few offers to to like get my rights traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one was Barry. Another one was another one they, where I was going to go play. But I just I, at that point, I made up my mind that the OHL, the OHL was not what I wanted to do and college is what I wanted to do and nothing else was going to stop me. So, yeah, I mean, it worked yeah. out. Yeah, like the the best thing, I think this is maybe the best thing for goalies who are selected. And you don't know again. Like, let's operate under the assumption that you're you you, you still lose your NCAA eligibility if you play. Let's say the rule fails, right? If you're drafted in the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round, like it's a great leverage point for making a junior huge leverage point. That's a great leverage point, right? Like you can not easily because easily is the wrong word, but you can turn that into a, a junior B, a junior A opportunity. It's a resume booster. Yeah, it is for sure, right? And so, so again, it's cool. Like I, again, I was not drafted in the OHL. I think it would have been pretty cool to be drafted in the OHL. Um, I, w- I wasn't. I'm okay with it. Enough. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, like if you are, again, for for those who are listening, and it's your CHL draft year, don't tell teams that you want to play college hockey. No, you tell them what you tell them what you want. Win, they want to hear. Up. Yeah, and tell them what exactly what they want to hear, and then do what the big, best thing for you is, because they're doing the exact same thing to you. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, and on that note, that's all I got, James. I think again, like, I think there's the right pathway for people, there's the wrong pathway for people, and ultimately, you don't know which one is the right one until you got there. Yeah. Or if, or if like you're someone that really doesn't like school, yeah, then obviously yeah. the ACLA is not for you. Like, oh my that's okay. Yeah, you don't. And again, like. You know, we're big proponents of, and again, it's it's tough in goalie world, right? It is really hard in goalie world because we know the opportunity pathway limitations, right? Young goalies mm-hmm. don't get chances. College lets you play longer, right? Like these, our approach is is rooted in the fact that it's a tough, it's tough out there for goalies. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with that being said, there's a lot of incredible youth sport goalies these days. Holy cow, are they good. Um, so much better than than I was when I had a brief stint in youth sport. Um so, like again, that's to say that if you if you you know again that is another university option. So again, big caveat there that it's school you got to do school, which is not for everyone, and that's fine. Eh, it's tough out here, man. It is tough out here. Yeah, I don't have any hot takes. We're I know we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna save that for another 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 pod, maybe next week. I forgot my hot take too. Eh, I kind of I kind of maybe my maybe it's more of a sad take. I get a little bit sad talking about. Um, my like the CHL and even to some degree like the USA like like drafts for children. Um, I get a little bit sad about it. Again, nothing to do with me, just about the fact that like I think we treat young people like young teenagers. We turn them into little professionals really fast. I mean, it's a little different. I don't I don't mind it, but I do as long as like. Kids and parents are unaware are aware that's not the end all be all. Yeah, that's important to me. Like I do think I I have no problem with drafts, all these things, but understanding that like hey the numbers aren't really that great for the drafts. So keep grinding, keep yeah. grinding, keep kicking. You never know. Yeah, and again like maybe this is a, a side extra side of draft research, right? So I get to work with some people who've done lots of draft research. They're very smart. They're very cool. Um, and a lot of the time we've said that you know people not making it 
in drafts is because of bad drafting, right? Like, you know, that happens. You select players that they don't turn out. That's life. Mm-hmm. At like the, the OHL level, like again, like we talked about this in 2022, there's 39 goalies drafted. There's just a bottleneck at that point, right? That's yeah. so many people, right? So I don't think it's like a draft accuracy thing. I don't think it's teams drafting poorly. I mean, there's probably a little bit of that, but you're also guessing on children again. Um, yeah. But it's just like when you have that many people in the, in the system, like you're, there's high levels of competition. There's lots of women grillies. The goaltending floor right now is really high, really, really high, really right? Really high. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, in 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 the grand scheme of things, really cool if you get drafted. Really cool if the CHL pathway is the pathway for you. Like go take that, go run with it, make yeah. the most of your opportunity. Uh, it's okay if that's not your pathway, right? And I guess we'll see in a few months that maybe you can take a whole bunch of different pathways. Yep, that is true. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, that's all I got. You got anything? All I got too. Nope, that's all I got. Call it there. Thanks all there. for listening. Uh, if you're interested to hear more about Jamie Phillips' approach to every single thing he does, check out his Patreon. Uh, it's got a ton of great resources. I still receive 0% of his money from it. Um, you hate to see it. If you but, it does, pay- but it does pay for the expenses that the pod incurs, so... Yeah, expenses which are low. Anyways, if you don't want to pay Jamie, which you should, don't pay him unless you want to. Uh, check out our check out you unless know, you Jamie. unless you want to get better. If you don't <laughs> want to get better, then yeah, I wouldn't either. Check out Jamie Miller Boy Method. Uh, check him out on Instagram and on YouTube. That's all Jamie Phillips on those platforms. Jamie Phillips thirty on Instagram. Uh, go check out what he's doing over there because it's always great content. If you want to hear more ramblings on nerdy stats things, you know, check out what I'm doing. Which is today was building an expected goals model. So, gonna just cool now. Yeah, you should document more of that stuff for people. Well, the model wasn't good, so it's okay. <laughs> it's a little bit better than flipping a coin, so we could say it's great. Hey, I'll take that. I'll take those odds at, at the black ch- at the roulette table. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks right. so much for listening. Catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.